The Paul Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. Welcome to episode number twenty-five of the Paul Leslie Hour. And on this episode, we're pleased to be joined by this guest. She's a singer, recording artist, Gabrielle Stravelli. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. There are so many accolades. There's there's so many things I could say. Just to start, this is pretty high praise. You were called an outstanding singer by the Wall Street Journal, hotter than the equator by the Village Voice, and I think most stories have a beginning. So, tell us where are you from? Ah, well, I'm from New York originally, actually, Staten Island, one of the five boroughs of, of New York City. You know, my both sides of the family immigrated from Italy way back when and came to New York, so that's where I got my start. And I grew up sort of in the tri-state area around here, and always loved to sing. I don't know <laughs> where it came from exactly. There aren't any other musicians. In my family, but my parents are big music lovers, so they they encouraged me, and I'm very lucky in that sense. Well, what kind of music did your parents enjoy? Hmm, that's something else that I I'm so grateful to them for because even though they were, you know, they really didn't know anything. So, in this sort of wonderful way, by default, they listened to a lot of different things because they weren't really snobby about anything. And I'm, but I'm so grateful because, um, because of them, I was exposed to all different kinds of music when I was a kid. They played opera in the house. They played musical theater. They played a lot of jazz and swing. They played a lot of pop music. They played R&B. So their tastes really ran the gamut. And I, you know, have a very wide-ranging tastes and sort of incorporate a lot of different styles into the music that I write and into the music that I choose to perform. Um, and I really think that's where that comes from. If you were to name the singers that most influenced you, who would you say those singers would be? Yeah, well, for sure. So my dad was a huge Ella Fitzgerald fan. And so I listened to a ton of Ella growing up. Like every car ride we took together, we would play one of those songbook records. So that was such a, um, she was such a big influence on me for so, so many years. I definitely had friends who exposed me to Barbara Streisand when I was a kid. I grew up loving her. And then later on, somebody gave me a record, um, a live record that Carmen McRae had recorded in the 70s, and that totally blew my mind. And she's really become one of my favorites. And, and there are so many singers that I admire. Stevie Wonder is a, is a singer who I just adore. And Joni Mitchell was also somebody who I discovered in college and, and fell in love with so deeply. And I ended up collecting all of her albums. So, you know, it's again, <laughs> the, the influences are pretty wide ranging. Can you remember the moment or the time in your life when you decided this is not just something that I enjoy doing for fun? This is definitely going to be my path. You know, um, I don't know if it sounds, well, gosh, 
I didn't, I think the, the reason it's a little bit hard for me to answer that question is because I, this was something that I always did. It was this, the thing that I always loved. So there wasn't really a time for me where I was necessarily, um, I mean, I had other interests as a kid and, you know, I was encouraged to explore other things, but music was always really my, my main passion. I grew up, I played French horn and piano. So I was really always in music. So I think for me, it felt inevitable in a, in a sort of nice way. I always knew that this was the thing that I loved to do. And this album of yours, Dream Ago, it is your debut as a songwriter. It is, yes. There's there's one. So I released an album in 2011 called Waiting in Vain, and there's one original track on that album. But absolutely, this, this album is primarily original material. There are 12 tracks on the album, and nine of them are songs that I wrote or co-wrote. So yeah, it's, um, it feels like a, a stepping out in a, in a really different way for me. What inspires you to write? I've been writing for a few years before the album came out. And when I was in, <laughs> when I was in high school, I had sort of been, um, I, I loved writing poetry. I can't say that any of it was good. I'm sure if I saw it now, I would think, gosh, that's terrible. But, but I always enjoyed writing. My mom was a journalist and, and an editor. I've been an editor for many years. So I think a little bit of I got the writing bug from her. Yeah, and I think it was like a matter of I, I just gained the confidence to sort of include some original material on a recording. It's intimidating, you know, as somebody who sort of considers themselves somebody like in the jazz world, you know, you're singing a lot of standards and you're singing these songs that were written by the best writers. <laughs> and it's a little bit scary to try and put your stuff next to those those you know songs that are that are so perfect and and have endured for so long of the songs that are on dream ago now i don't ever like to ask a songwriter what their favorite is because <laughs> almost always ah, you get right. this it's almost <laughs> always they're like their children i can't pick a favorite right exactly but if you had to pick one song on there to mm -hmm. represent what you do which one would that be? Sure. I can answer that question, actually. So there's a track on the album. Gosh, I should know uh, what track it is. Oh, my gosh. It's the second track on the album. And it's called Cake of My Childhood. And um, I really love that song, and I'm very proud of it. And I and I think that it um, – I I'm, would be totally happy, you know, if, if that's, like, the only original song that people heard of mine and, and sort of judged me – by that too, and I think it is a good representation of of what I do. I wanted to ask you about one of the songs on there. It has an interesting story. It's where is the song? Ah, yes. So that's actually one of the the covers from the album that was written by a an icon in the jazz world, Bob Doro, and I heard him play that song. He was performing at the Catano, a jazz club in New York City. And um, it just struck me so immediately. I I loved the lyric. I loved the melody. Bob is such a singular writer and performer. 
and that to me there's like no mistaking that it's that it's his tune in in such a nice way and after his set i i was talking to him and i said bob i i absolutely love this song i i'm i want to know more about it and i wonder if you would give me share the music with me and he told me that he had actually earlier in Diana Krall's career she was sort of you know collecting material collecting submissions from writers she was considering all different things to record and um and Bob was one of the people that was asked to submit some material for her and he submitted yeah I think I don't want to misspeak but I think he wrote that with with her in mind and then he also submitted his uh one of his best known tunes Devil May Care and she ended up recording Devil May Care um other than Bob I don't think anybody else had recorded where is the song so I was really delighted to get something of his that um, wasn't as well known because I think it's so deserving of, of 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 recording and some you know getting it out to a wider audience I just think it's such a great song in kind of doing research for this interview I was playing the album and I was visiting with my nephew, and I asked him, do, do you know who Bob Duro is? And he said, no, I don't know who that is. And then I started to talk, and he said, oh, yeah, everybody knows who that is. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> he is one of those people. Totally. And I do that same thing a lot of times when I'm performing, and, and we include, you know, either Devil May Care or Where is the Song in the Set. I'll, I do that same exact thing. I'll ask the audience. I'll, I'll mention his name. I don't get much of a reaction. Then I'll say, you you actually do know Bob DeRoe because he's done all of this stuff. And you mentioned School of Mouth Rock and you mentioned the Miles Davis album that he was on. And everybody goes, oh, that guy. <laughs> so it's funny. He's like the character actor. You know, in the movies, he's like these character people where we, we see them in all kinds of movies and we know their face, but we don't know their name. But, you know, then you say, oh, they played this part in this movie. And you go, oh, yeah, I know who that person is. So, you know, he's he's such a an important person in, in, in this music. What is he like? He's kind of the coolest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's so, I mean, he's, I feel like Bob is like the definition of the word hip in the in the best way. Not, you know what I mean? It's not affected at all. He's just so smart and witty but he's also kind and warm and open and funny and sweet and just a delightful person to be around and to work with and um, I'm so happy to sing his material. Something that I think is impressive is that there are so many artists who you know they maybe get a chance to travel and and perform and they maybe go to Paris but you've gone to some very (laughs) interesting places. (laughs) Moldova, Slovenia, Malta. Tell us about some of the places around the world that you've been. Sure. Well, actually, this past August, I had, um, I took a trip. We were in Pakistan for 10 days. And it was so incredible. And I would love to go back. And right now, I'm actually sitting in my room. There's an illustration. Somebody in an audience drew a picture of me performing with my bass player and my saxophone player and then a sitar. Player, this incredible Pakistani sitar player who's like a total virtuoso. Yeah, I've been really so fortunate to have these opportunities to travel and and see what I love. A lot of that traveling to very far flung places has been done through um, State Department programs. You know, they have this 
program called American Music Abroad, in which they send musicians out who perform anything that's considered American music, so be it jazz, gospel, musical theater, um, bluegrass, and it's a form of cultural diplomacy, and it's this idea of, of making one-on-one connections between Americans and people from other cultures, and also just exposing Americans and American culture and music to audiences who may not be that familiar with it. And um, I'm like really evangelical about these programs because I've had such fantastic experiences doing them. And and one of the my favorite parts, you know, is is that we get to collaborate with musicians in all these countries who play traditional music from the places that they're from. And it's such an interesting opportunity to sort of meld musical traditions and really set this example that that it really is possible <laughs> for everybody to get along, you know, as as simplistic as that sounds. Very often I found pretty much 99% of the time when you get musicians in a room together, even if when they don't speak the same language, they can they can work together and, and there's so much common ground. So it's really something that, that I've just enjoyed so, so much and I'm so happy to do. Any places that you haven't visited that you're possibly planning or looking forward to going to? Well, I really would. I've never been to Asia Never been to Africa. I hope very much to visit those places someday. And then, of course, <laughs> in the States, there are places I've never been to. I've been to California, but I haven't really explored that state extensively. So I'm hoping to get to the West Coast next year. And and also, like, the Pacific Northwest is somewhere I would love to go. Seattle, Portland, I've never been to that part of the country. Also, never been to Canada, and I would love to go to Canada. So, yes, there are so, so many places that I, I still hope to get to. It seems like podcasting is just taking over the world. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and I wanted to talk a little bit about this, your podcast, Big Modern Music with Gabrielle Strzok. So we're on a bit of a hiatus, but we have spoken to quite a few artists who I really love. Jane, um, I think primarily vocalists, Jane Monheit, Hilary Gardner, Sasha Vasandani, uh, Natalie Douglas was a guest. It ha- I mean, yes, podcasts seem to be the thing right now. And I just think it's so fun to, like, get into people's heads and have them talk about the music they make and the music they like. And it's also been interesting for me. I've spoken to a lot of women in the music business and just to get their their take on, on and their hear their experiences as women, as, as women of color, so forth and so on, in the world and, and, and in the, the business of music. Something that I thought was really interesting... I thought, okay, I have to ask you about this. A lot of people don't know that Willie Nelson is actually a jazz musician. Yeah. Well, that's so interesting. He's certainly, I think his phrasing, it's so clear to me that that it's been influenced by his love of jazz. And he really does love jazz. He grew up listening to, you know, when he was a, a kid growing up during the Depression, the radio was the main form of entertainment. 
And the songs that we now consider the Great American Songbook were the songs that were on the radio at that time. Stardust and all these standards that, you know, he's covered were what he grew up listening to. And, you know, and the stuff you grow up listening to, that's that's your teacher in a sense. So, and his tour bus is called the Honeysuckle Rose. And, you know, he's absolutely been so influenced by jazz and yeah it's funny you should say that I don't think I I haven't ever actually called him a jazz musician but he but I I think it actually is fair to call him that your publicist was telling me about this show that you did with Willie Nelson songs I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about it yeah I'm really excited about it um I debuted this new set um at Birdland here in New York City in September, and I'm gonna continue to develop that set and I think that's gonna be my next big project and probably will record that set and release that next year i I fell in love with him really by chance. I had you know known of him as a kid um my dad listened to him I'd heard his music growing up, and then he um my sister and my, my family, we lived in New Jersey at the time, and um, there was a, a great performing arts center nearby that a lot of the big acts, national acts, came through. And my sister and I went to see him just on a whim, and um, and I fell in love with him, hearing him live, and became a fan and started collecting his albums and went to see him live uh, two or three more times. And, you know, a lot of performers do sort of tribute shows and, and there is a benefit to sort of having one of those shows in your, in your arsenal, um, just because it's a great way to get audiences to, you know, come out who aren't familiar with you. You know, people may not know my name, but they know, you know, if you do an Ella Fitzgerald tribute or a Sarah Vaughn tribute or Frank Sinatra, they'll maybe come because they love the music that that artist had recorded. And so I was trying to think of like, who do I really love? Who would I, whose music would I want to explore? And, and I knew it seems like a, <laughs> a very unlikely choice, but Willie Nelson is just someone who I admire so much and who I think is such an incredible performer and songwriter. So we're developing this set of, um, and it's been so fun to research his catalog. He's got so many songs. He's been around, you know, he's been around and, and writing for so many years. So there's an incredible amount of material. So I don't want to give too much away, but um, we do material old and new. And we sort of explore it through a jazz lens. But, you know, I'm not, yeah, we're reimagining some stuff. And then there are some songs that we kind of stay really true to his version of because some things just don't, they're too good. They don't need to be messed with. So it's it's been really fun sort of finding how, you know, how can I find a new way into this and then how can I just honor this this beautiful song. Do you think jazz music gets enough respect? I do. Yeah. I mean, I think that... um like lots, because I know, yeah, people are always saying jazz is dead, but like they've been <laughs> saying that for so many years and it still hasn't gone away. So I've, that doesn't really concern me. And I think there are ways to keep the form moving forward. And I think there are people doing that so beautifully. And then, and then, um, 
you know, I see like I think it's maybe oh god, Jean Jean Baptiste who has the like he leads the band for Stephen Colbert's late night show and um you know, Kevin Eubanks, like there's been and, and Wynton Marsalis, like there are people who are absolutely and uh, what Lady Gaga's doing with Tony Bennett and, you know, Amy Winehouse used to sing standards and and it was wildly popular. Um and I just feel like um it maybe isn't what we hear on mainstream radio, but that's okay. And I think there are so many people who love it and, and do respect it. So, yeah, I, I think that it's still a very vibrant form. Who would you say has taught you the most about music? Wow, what a good question. Well, I mean, I've had some really amazing teachers. I think, you know, in, that I've studied with individually. I think that living here in New York, I'm so spoiled. There are so many incredible musicians here. And I get, you know, seven nights a week I could be out of the house going to sit in with different musicians and, and hear different bands. And to me, that's, that's really like really going, going and sitting in with, with musicians who are older than I and who know more than I do. You know, like going and playing with these guys and getting your butt kicked is, is the way to learn this music. To really get out there and, and play with people who, who are deep in it. That's where the, for me, the, the most growth has occurred. And, and that's the other thing I love about, about music in general is that it's just, this beautiful, never-ending quest to go deeper and learn more, and and you, you know, I think I've grown a lot as a singer, and I'm, and in a, in a nice way, I'm I'm in an exciting way. I'm aware of like how much more there is to explore and to learn. So, but but I think like the musicians in New York and and the people I've played with around the world. I mean, like that Pakistani guitar player is a is a master. You know, and to play with somebody at that level is is a learning experience. So with all these men and women out there who are doing it, who are in it, and who are gracious enough to to let people play with them and, and be playful and have fun and have a dialogue, those, those are, the, are the people who I think have taught me the most. Jumping back to the, the new album of yours just a little bit, the producer, David Cook, He's a, a a producer who's had a, a lot of variety in terms of of artists he's worked with. I was hoping you could tell yeah. us a little bit about him. Yeah, I mean that's why I I wanted Dave to produce the record because he he you know I knew the music on the album was very diverse. So I wanted somebody who would get that and let it be diverse, and who would also be able to still make it sound cohesive. So you know Dave is a jazz pianist by trade. He fell into playing for some very big names in pop music quite a few years back. I think he was working with, um, oh God, I should know this. Is it in sync? It's whatever band Justin Timberlake was in. He played for that band. And then he got recommended to play piano and sort of, I think, music direct the band on the road for Taylor Swift. And he's been working with her for many years. And he's worked with people like Jennifer Hudson. And I think he's worked with Billy Porter. So he has this great background, you know, where he knows jazz music really well. And he also knows pop. And 
he's just very flexible and can play a lot of different styles and is comfortable doing that. So, so I really loved working with him because he's got a lot of ideas and, and he's very open. At the beginning of the interview, I was mentioning some of the, I guess you could say, the, the praise you've received from different people. And you have received a lot of, a lot of really, really strong praise from everyone, from musicians to songwriters, people in the press. Probably a difficult question, but what is the biggest compliment? And not just including these, these quotes that you have, but could be a fan. What's the biggest compliment you've ever gotten as an artist? Um, I'm, I'm having a hard time thinking of like one. I, I think the one that comes to mind for me is like if somebody says that, that you made a standard, you know, cause I've had this experience. I've gone to see people perform and, and they've had a song in the set that I've heard a million times. For whatever reason, they, the way they do it makes me feel like I'm hearing that song for the first time. Makes me hear the lyric in that song like I've never heard it before and brings to me like a deeper and maybe like I, you know, I've had the experience where I'm like, oh, that's what that song's about. And I'm, it's been gratified to have some people say that to me every now and then. And, and I think that's, that's such a, a fantastic compliment to, to make somebody feel like, like you brought some new life to, to a song that's been around for a long time. I, I think that's a really, really special thing and something that, that I think I and a lot of other people who play this music, you know, strive for. That's, that's such a big part of what we're all going for. What is the best thing about being Gabrielle Stravelli? Oh, oh my God. I don't know how to answer that um, because I'm so self-deprecating. Yikes. It's not being five feet tall. Haha. Um, uh, what's the best thing? Well, you know, I am, I am truly aware of like that I'm really lucky to get to make music. For a, for a living. I, I do what I love. And that is an incredible thing. And I don't ever take it for granted. And and I don't mean to say like, because, you know, I, I've i seen this on Facebook where, you know, where somebody says, oh, an audience member or somebody says, you're so lucky to get what you do, to do what you do, you know, and, and they're saying like, it's, I'm not lucky. I work really hard. And I and that's true. We all have to work really hard at this. So when I say that I'm aware of how lucky I am to do this, I don't mean that it doesn't take a lot of hustling um, and perseverance and determination, but I think some luck involved. And um, and I think it's just a sense of, like, gratitude. Because also, like, I don't know, I I always sang. Like, I, I always had that. And I also think it's, it's very, it's like a blessing to um, to just sort of come into the world with this thing that you're extremely passionate about. Because I know there are people who are sort of like, I, you know, they feel like they don't know what it is they really want to do. So, so I think there's some luck in that. And I'm, and I'm real grateful. And I really love my life. And that's, that's a really wonderful thing to, um, to be able to say. Absolutely. <laughs> How would you define Gabrielle Stravelli? Who is Gabrielle Stravelli? 
<laughs> I mean, I think it's, it's funny. Cause I was sort of just talking to somebody about this because, you know, I'm someone who has a lot of interests and um, I sort of came up earlier, you know, when I was younger, I was very into theater and I, and I loved that world. But in that world, you sort of have to be like a specific type. You know, you're either a leading lady or you're an ingenue or you're the funny sidekick. And um, I was never really any one of those things in particular. Um, and that was very challenging. Um, people really liked what I did, but they didn't quite know what to do with me. And then I transitioned into working primarily as a vocalist. And, and while I, I am definitely in the jazz world, I'm not, I don't really sound, you know, I'm not like definitely like Anita O'Day or Peggy Lee. Um, I'm, I'm sort of a hybrid of a lot of different things. And, and the nice thing is I'm sort of at a point in my life and in my career where I'm really comfortable with that. And I don't see it as, um, as a bad thing anymore. I, I realize that that's sort of the thing that makes me Gabrielle Cervelli and, and, um, I really learned to embrace that. So I, I, I hope that <laughs> answered your question. What a great answer. Thank you. <laughs> Very open-ended. For anyone yeah. who's listening in, <laughs> what would you say to the audience? Well, what would I say to the audience? Thanks for listening. <laughs> well, I... I um. I mean, I think that especially for people listening who are who love music and maybe want to pursue it, I just think like I, I would say um, can really be a it can feel like a, pursuing music as a career can can feel like a real slog sometimes. But I I think that no matter whatever it is you're interested in. And whatever it is, like, in your gut that you know you love to do, you really owe it to yourself to stick it out and and pursue that, that thing that really fills you with joy and that thing that really, really, like, feeds your, your soul because it's, it's worth it. Even if it, even if there are those days when it feels like a mental battle, I think, I think anytime anybody is um, in a creative endeavor, it's really a good thing for the whole planet. So I, I encourage everybody to, um, to just follow that thing that they love. And I encourage anybody out there to visit GabrielleStravelli.com. <laughs> and I'm going to spell, tra- spell Stravelli. Gosh, that's easy for you right. to say. <laughs> S-T... <laughs> <laughs> S-T-R-A-V-E-L-L-I GabrielleStravelli.com and G Stravelli yep. on Twitter and thanks yep. so much for spending time with us My pleasure really thank you so much for having me I really appreciate it and it's been really nice to talk to you Absolutely, my pleasure Thank you Alright, till next time So that was the Gabrielle Stravelli interview Thanks so much to Dan Fortune for making that happen. And I wanted to read this email that we got from Chase, who has been listening in. And he writes, I'm enjoying your podcasts. Really good stuff. I'm listening to your interview with Jillian Cartarelli, 
and when you asked her if she believed in fate, it had me cracking up. It sounded so innocent, but could really be creepy. You're still the king. Well, thanks, Chase. I appreciate that. You're, of course, invited to send in any comments. You can get in contact with us on the website. It's thepaulleslie.com. Consider a free subscription to the Paul Leslie Hour on the platform of your choice. We're found on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Player FM, Acast, Google Play, and CastBox. Your support is greatly appreciated, and you can help this podcast by rating and reviewing the Paul Leslie Hour on iTunes. For more information, simply visit us online, or you can call into our listener line. To leave a voice message, just call 912-376-9529. It may get played on the show. Thank you for listening. Until next time. The Paul Leslie Hour is hosted, produced, and written by Paul Leslie for Lifestyles Entertainment. For information, visit thepaulleslie.com. Thank you for being with us. Until next time.